0: Turning your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. There's an outline in your bulletin that you may want to uh, grab a hold of. I'm going to read the first seven verses. Our context is the first 13. Okay, but uh, I want to read the first seven because our focus this day will be on verses 4 through 7, but we'll keep it in. Uh, in light of what's going on. All right, beginning at verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. If anyone supposes he is anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world, and, there, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father whom or from whom all things, and we exist for him, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. However, not all men have this knowledge, but some, being accustomed to the idol until now, eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Okay? Interesting text. Let's pray. Father, we come now to hear from you. We want to know the wisdom of the ages. We want to know you who existed before there was an existence. Father, I ask that our hearts now with joy receive what you say. Father, we hear your word, not from a man, but through the power of the living God, the spirit of the living God in your people. Father, may we bow to this. Father, with joy in our hearts, knowing that we are the children of the redeemed and that Father we we can take this, we can rest upon it we can grow upon it and Father take such joy and pleasure and peace because we know Father that you loved us so much that you're concerned about every aspect of our lives to you my king we commit this time in Christ and Christ alone amen what we're dealing with here contextually is food offered to idols and Paul is dealing with a church that is struggling with this. You can look at it practically today in August. No, I guess it's September of 2004 as gray areas. There are gray areas in our lives right now that there's great turmoil in the body of Christ over these areas. And it's uh, if it wasn't so serious and, and causing so much division, it would be laughable. But I've seen it in every way, shape, and form that I can ever think of. I remember at one time uh, early in my life uh, being up in uh, the northern part of eastern United States where they were preaching on the sin of tobacco and how awful that tobacco was and how that if you did this and it was terrible and, and God was going to send you to hell and all the rest of it. But I had relatives who were down in Tennessee, Georgia, and Kentucky and you could go down there and the preacher would put his cigarette out before he delivered his message and he would say, it is a sin for a man and a woman to swim in a swimming pool together. Okay? Neither which of those two will you find a biblical precedence for? And yet, I have seen people literally almost go to blows over it. Uh, I gave you an illustration that I remember hearing a guy saying, you can't read the Sunday comics on Sunday because that's a hallowed day and comics are of the world. And I always thought that was a little bit... Anyway... All right. So there are gray areas. You know, I've been asked this. Uh, We are in the Southern Baptist Convention. And so some people have their ideology and they will come up to me and they say, do you believe that Baptists can dance? And I will look at them lovingly and carefully and say, some can, some can't. Okay. Uh, It's not really that difficult. All right. But we need to look at it in light of this text. Okay. Because we've already laid out in verses one through three, we all have knowledge. Everyone in this room has some knowledge. We have a a, a knowledge on different levels, but we also have spiritual knowledge. We have spiritual experience, some of us more than others. Some of us have more biblical knowledge than we have spiritual experience. Okay. Some of us have more experience than we have biblical knowledge. Right, It's just depending on where you're at in your life at the time you came to salvation and what has happened in your life and what God, the process that the sovereign Lord has brought you through is where you're at at this point in time. It's not that somebody is greater than you. It is not that somebody was less than you. uh, We can't ever look at it that way. You are only exactly where God wants you. You are ministering exactly where God wants you. You are in the process that God wants you in. And there's times that you feel like, gee, many crickets. Uh, I wish I could gain a little bit. And there's other times that you look at it and you say, you know what? I'd give anything if I could forget some of this. All right. And that's just where we're at. All right. But he basically sums it up that knowledge, verse 1, makes arrogant. And it's literal word in the original language is poof. It's hot air. You take in knowledge, all you have now is a big hot air. You're puffy, you are puffed up, you are of no value. Uh, In this same letter in chapter 13, he says, you're a clanging gong. You make noise for no purpose. Okay, but then he makes a statement, love edifies. Love edifies. The word edify means to strengthen. It lifts up. It builds up. It strengthens. And that's what we're looking at. Your outline that you have, these are all three biblical truths that come from this text. We know that we all have knowledge. We know that an idol is nothing. And we know that food is not an issue with God. Those truths are taught in the 8th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Those are absolute truths that would lend itself to that you now all have knowledge. Knowledge okay so I can eat my bratwurst I don't have to worry about no demon hanging out on it and getting down in my digestive tract but if I know if I drink the water in Mexico the demons are there some of you guys just didn't get that or or you're asleep or something gee many crickets lighten up people okay I know you're still thinking about Baptist dancing alright here's how do I decide on the forbiddens okay the forbiddens are simple thou shalt not. How hard is that? Well, that seems to be very difficult in this day and age. But the truth of the matter is, I bow to the word of God, period. If not, he will bow you. All right? It's that simple. I have seen arrogant people and God humiliate them. And, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's, it's awful. But the truth of the matter is, uh, he wants a humble heart. But there are gray areas. And I would argue that in the church today, the biggest division are the gray areas. That's where people clash and the schisms come up. And 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 I see two extremes in this, all right, In, in these gray areas. We as sheep have all gone astray. And so we love it when you can make a list of rules. Just give me a list of do's and don'ts. If you give me a list of do's and don'ts, I'm very comfortable with that. Uh, John Stott calls that institutional Christianity. Okay? I I call it borderline Roman Catholicism, but choose whichever one you want. Give me room. Give me rules. Do this, do this, do this. Don't do this and don't do this. Don't do this and and I'll be fine. Um, It's We enjoy conforming to a list of rules it's just so much easier why I don't have to read my Bible I don't have to pray I don't have to be involved in anything I just carry my list and I don't do this and I don't do that Um, the problem with that is is that the Lord and the knowledge that the Lord has graced us with never internalizes that Christians life okay I see a lot of people today who are not what I call spirit-controlled people, okay? They don't do a whole bunch of stuff, but they're not spirit-controlled. I remember uh, one of the first times that I was ever exposed to the teachings of Dr. Olford in this area that I minister in, uh, there's a buzzword that sends the hair up on the back of my neck, and, and you start paying attention to, and it's called the anointing. You've heard of it. Some of you have heard of it. I've been anointed, and you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> get back. I'm not sure what that is. But I remember when Dr. Olford taught on it and what it was. It's overpowering of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, wow, well, that's kind of cool. Okay? But I still have that <laughs> red flag. Anointing. What does that mean? Okay? Uh, you can get on a motorcycle at a very high rate of speed and be anointed. Uh it has nothing to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? What I'm talking about, the anointing of the spirit is a spirit controlled life. Okay. What I see a lot of people involved in is a life of legalism. It's do's and don'ts. I can do this and I can't do that. And we call it spirit led life. Is that true? I'll give you some illustrations of this and we'll see where it is. Let me tell you something. If you look at your life based on um, I'm I'm a, a not doing person, but I am a doing person. You've just set up an awful, horrible standard of spirituality. Did you know that? Not only that, if you have a list of do's and don'ts, you have literally stifled the freedom that Christ has given you. Okay, now, now uh, you guys, some of you are looking at me, but listen, thou shalt not commit adultery. Where's the gray area? There is none, okay? If somebody gives you a big Cuban cigar, what do you do with it? I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do with it, but I'll let you guys figure out what you're going to do with it, okay? You ask yourself these questions, all right? I know a lady who had, uh, she wanted to open her home to the community because she wanted her Christianity to be known to the community. So she invited all of the people in her neighborhood to come. Three couples came bringing beer. She turned them away. What did she accomplish? Nothing. I got to ask you a serious question. What Bible verse does it say, thou shalt not drink beer? Just a question. I'll just ask you a question. All right. Now, now if you guys run out and get hammered, I'll give you the one that says don't get drunk. Okay. All right. but But I want you to be aware of this. All right, now listen. You got to hear this whole message. Don't check out on me right now, because if you check out on me now, everybody's going to be out. We're having beer and dogs tonight, dude. This dude's in the Bralwers and Budweiser. That ain't what I'm into. Okay, that's not what I want to. I want you to think with me. If I set my spiritual standard based on do's and don'ts, I just took over the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Not only does it do that, it will ignore the conscience of a believer. Okay? Ignore the conscience of a believer. Okay? There's a false standard of spirituality that exists in the body of Christ today. And in its greatest production or produce that you will see is hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. Many Christians live based on an area of what they do and they don't do okay I I was invited to a Christmas party a couple of years ago Uh, some Presbyterian brothers sisters said that they they wanted us to come to a Christmas party at their home and uh, I said "Well, that'd be kind of cool I haven't been to a Christmas party uh, in a long time so I'll, I'll go to your Christmas party and a bunch of other people were coming around that I associated with and and they were going and, and, and they said, did, did, you, did you know that they're going to serve wine at the Christmas party? And I said, they're Presbyterians. <laughs> what was you expecting? Uh, and, uh, and they said, well, we can't go. I said, who's we? Okay, I was asked to go. I will go. And I went. All right. Listen, because somebody serving wine doesn't mean I have to drink or not drink. Um, be very very careful I know people that I have run into in my life that won't go to any movies at all and I remember talking to this one lady at one time it was kind of funny um, actually it's kind of sad her fear was that she would be sitting in a movie theater and perhaps it might be questionable and the second coming of Christ would appear and she would be caught watching a movie that maybe the Lord would not appreciate. And I thought, whoa, that's pretty harsh. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of movies today, let's be realistic, really aren't worth whatever we're charging now, okay? I mean, you used to be able to get into some matinees at two bucks, but even the matinee things now are like seven. And the last movie I went and seen was... I think I got took on my seven dollars, um, but it just stuff like that. I just want you to be careful with because I know people who will do that with. Can a Christian dance? Can a can a Christian? Do you remember? Does anybody remember this one? Christians can't play cards. Okay, some of you from the south, I know, were exposed to it because I used. To, never mind. I won't go there. <laughs> okay. Okay, but, but it's, it's what happens with these rules and regulations is that they become absolutes. And are they truly absolutes? Listen, you cannot judge spirituality by what people do and don't do. Okay, I have an illustration. I worked to get this illustration. I know a city right now that is just real, really close to 2 million people. All right? This city, none of them drink. 2 million people. They're not quite 2 million people. None of them drink. None of them dance. None of them go to movies. None of them fornicate. None of them commit adultery. None of them smoke. None of them cheat. None of them steal. None of them covet. And none of them have a spiritual life. Okay? But they don't do all those things. Okay, it's Greenwood Hill Cemetery in New York. So you can't judge people by what they do or they don't do, right? Right? All right. All right, so what we do or what we don't do has absolutely no relationship to anything. Galatians 5.16 says, If I walk in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Okay. Then in verse 17 through 21, he says, Here's what the flesh looks like. So if you have these things going on in your life, you know what you're walking in. Then in verse 22, he says, Fruit of the Spirit. So it's a contrast. Here's a person walking in the flesh. Here's a person walking in the spirit. And all I, I don't even want to go into the rest of what the fruit of the spirit is because the first one out of the, the gate is what? Love. If agapon, the verb of agape, controls my life, I don't have to worry about the rest. I don't have to worry about it. Okay, and the reason that I can say that is that that love... Is not natural to man. Man has no way to generate it. It's impossible. Okay? It's not natural to man. Okay? Walking in the spirit is true spirituality. And it is noted first and foremost by love. Because if I have that love that God has poured into my heart and it is spilling everywhere I go, guess what happens? There's joy, peace, gentleness, kindness. Just go down the list. But if you don't have love, what do you got? Same thing if you have knowledge and you don't have love, what do you got? You're noisy. You sound like a symbol. Okay, somebody comes up and cracks you once and you just gong. All right, and that's it. And I see Christians. Listen, this church is guilty. I see Christians who have knowledge and no love. I also have seen some who have love and no knowledge. That's just as scary. Just as scary. All right? But that's what I'm, we're trying to get at. Your Christian life is lived from the inside out, not the outside in. Please understand that. All right? Remember what Wayne was here he was teaching on the Christ life, Galatians 2.20? It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Remember that? Okay, and he says that, that the coat... You can tell the coat to go do something, but until you fill in that coat, it doesn't do anything. That's what you and I are. We're the coats. the leather coats he was his illustration. And that coat, you can tell that coat to go do anything, but what will it accomplish? Nothing. But when Christ infills that coat, then what does that coat do? It can move. Move its arm, it can wave, it can do all kinds of things. So the Christian life is not me conforming to a set of rules and regulations. The Christian life is Christ filling me in such a way that you no longer see me, but it is only Christ that is seen. How is that manifested first and foremost? Fruit of the Spirit, first one out of the bat, out of the gate. What? Love. Agapon. Okay, It is a love that says, I love you, even though you may hate me, you may despise me, you may do absolutely nothing for my benefit. I shall not cease. My love will never, ever, ever be qualified. Try it. Just go try it. You know, just get in the rush hour one time and see how many of them people just love one another. I just love you. We're all out here being loving. Okay? The other side of this spirituality is what I call the freedom freaks. Okay? Which basically says I'm free in Christ uh, and I'll do, do it all. Anything that's not forbidden, I'm just going to do it. Why? Well, the truth will set me free and I want, all my, I, I want everybody to see as much freedom as I can get my hands on. Okay? And those are the freedom freaks. That's what basically what Paul is dealing with here. Because this church was founded by who? The Apostle Paul. And the steadfast number of these people all have the same doctrine and the same knowledge. Okay? The, um, we need to understand that in this knowledge, this freedom that we have in Christ, that is not the only consideration. And that is why Corinthians 8 shows up. All right? A great principle. Okay. Verse 4. Right here, buddy, is some foundational, chest-deep, mind-boggling theology. Ready? Concerning things eating, it's concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols. Okay? We know that there's no such thing as an idol. That's good theology. I don't care what your idol is. It's useless. It is useless. Uh, Buddha. Buddha tends to be our idol of the day. Uh, I've been in several different places where people would offer stuff up to Buddha. Uh, I've seen them set little grapes and glasses of wine and and just all kinds of little food things out for Buddha. And what's amazing about old Buddha, he didn't eat nothing. Little fat man, he never did gain it and he never ate nothing. You could sit there, you could cover him up in food offered to Buddha and he's not going to eat one bite of it which is mind-boggling to me because if he's not eating what I'm giving, does that mean he's not listening to what I'm saying? Just a question. Okay, the Apostle Paul says, when you bow to an idol, you are bowing to nothing. An idol can't respond. Look what he says in verse 5. It's it's funny. Okay, for even if there are so-called gods... All right, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords. Basically, what he's doing is appeasing them. Why? It's a land of idols. I was in Caesarea Philippi, and it's a really cool place. It's like right on a mountainside, and it has a hole that they believed was the gates of hell that the Jews believed were the gates of hell. You go down in there, and what would happen as different pagan religions would come in there, they would kill animals and throw them down in that hole to keep the demons in hell. All right, because... I don't know. I guess they like goats. The goats probably didn't think much about it. But anyway, they would keep throwing these animals down in there and they would keep the demons in hell. And then out of this ground would come this uh, just wondrous spring of water. Uh, When I was there in, in March, the springs were so, were running so heavy out of this mountainside that literally some of the walks you couldn't get across because they were about thigh deep running with this spring water. And they were trying to channel it in all kinds of different places. But it was amazing. And I looked at up on the wall beside this uh, hole in the ground, and they had these holes notched out all over the place. And I, and, and you can see that they were man-made. And I said, what are all of those carvings or whatever? And he says, well, you had the one demon, God, satan would be down in that hole and you had to keep him happy but to keep all the other gods happy you had to put little idols in all of those holes and you had to offer to them too and i bet you that that there was a hundred to two hundred holes notched out in the side of this rock where they would put these idols in there to keep these demons appeased and these little the lower gods appeased okay that's roman culture Greek culture, you put the two together, what do you got? Um, yeah. Here's what the Romans said about their culture of this time. We have so many gods, it's easier to find a god in Athens than it is to find a man, unquote. And, and they do. When he was in Athens, remember, uh, Paul says, I have found an altar to an unknown god, right? And he says, and I know who this god is. Do you know why he did that? What happened was, is there was a plague that hit about 300 B.C., hit Athens, and people were dying, all right? And so what they do is they turned all of these sheep loose in Athens, and where the sheep would lay down at, they'd cut its throat and offer it to a god there, okay? And then an altar would be built there, and they're all over Athens, all over the place. Why? They were trying to get rid of the plague, and so when Paul was cruising around Athens, he seen altars everywhere, Anywhere that a sheep would have laid down, boom, Kill the sheep, offered up to some deity, wants it right here. All right? So when he makes this statement in verse 5, he says, there are so-called gods. What does that mean? Everywhere. You in Corinth know this. Your lives are saturated. If you get married, there's a God. If you go to war, there's a God. If you play a sport, there's a God. If you fall in love, there's a God. There's a God of humor. There's a God of sadness. da 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 Go down the line. You've got a God for everything. Your whole life is enmeshed in these idols. Look what he says in verse 6. Yet for us. Okay. Speaking. So verse 5 are the lost people of Corinth. Verse 6 is us. There is but one God and the Father. All right. This gets you in a lot of trouble. In Acts chapter 19 verse 26. um, Ephesus has a riot apostle Paul is there and the riot starts based on this there are no gods made with hands okay do you know what the major export industry for Ephesus is little bee statues (laughs) okay Uh, little god statues and all of a sudden you've got this guy and this growing group of people hanging out with him who just don't like him no more because he's saying uh, what your business is, is is silly okay let me give you some Bible perspectives of what idols are the psalmist in Psalm 115 verse 3 and following says this but our God is in heaven in in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases their idols are silver and gold the work of man's hands they have mouths but they cannot speak they have eyes but they cannot see they have ears but they cannot hear they have noses but they cannot smell they have hands, but they cannot feel. they have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot even, they cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become like them that 's nasty that's nasty. okay I mean that last verse um, you 're bowing to nobody you 're bowing to nobody. Uh, And yet you have a culture and this church is stuck right in the middle of Corinth. Who's dealing with this? Let me give you another text. Uh, My buddy, Isaiah, I beginning in Isaiah 40 and cranking through is the character and nature of God. Okay. In chapter 44, though, he kind of gives a blessings to Israel in light of who our God is. Verse eight says this 44, eight of Isaiah. Do not tremble. do, Do not be afraid. Have I not long since announced to you and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? Or is there any other rock? I know of none. Verse 9. Those who fashion a graven image are all of them futile. And their precious things are of no profit. Even their own witnesses fail to see or to know. So they will Be put to shame. Who has fashioned a God or cast an idol to no profit? Okay, what he just said there is, the only reason they're making these little statues is for money. I'm making a profit. Okay, behold, all his companions will be put to shame. For the craftsmen themselves are mere men. Let them all assemble themselves. Let them stand up. Let them tremble. Let them together be put to shame. That's Isaiah, okay? We see people who are in the idolatrous world around us right now, and we're fearful of them. Why should we be? Their idols are nothing. It's, it's kind of like that uh, uh, lights are on and nobody's home, you know? Um, Jeremiah 10, 14 and following says the same thing, but the one that I think is kind of cool is Habakkuk. Uh, chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. Woe to him who says to a piece of wood, awake. (laughs) I I just, you know, woe to him. You know what? That is cursed to him who says to a piece of wood, awake. To a mute stone arise, and that is your teacher? That's Habakkuk's response. Think about it. And that is your teacher? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all inside of it. But the Lord is in his holy temple let all the world let all the earth be silent before him. Okay? So when you think about idols and he's talking to this church here who's surrounded immersed in a culture of idols, he's saying they are nothing. There isn't anything there. They have no value. Okay? So here's the argument. Everybody in this church what's the big difference? We eat meat offered to idols. Maybe the priest cut us a deal. Got, you know, good bratwurst for cheaper than normal. There isn't anything there. Okay, not only that, he's good good solid theology. There's only one God, and he ain't in your little statue. Okay, now I want to give you a footnote. Chapter 10 deals with demons who impersonate little deities and idols. Okay, so I don't want to neglect that, but I'll deal with that when I get to chapter 10. All right? But you need to understand that the church in Corinth believed that these idols were no gods. Look at verse 6 says again. Yet for us, there is but one God, the Father from whom are all things, and we exist for him. And one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. Okay, amazing statement. All I can think about is, see, they had it in their minds that it, uh, you offered this meat to a God. They knew that demons wanted to get inside of men and make them act bizarre. All right. All right. And so I would take this piece of meat and I, whatever the animal was, and I'd cut it up in thirds. One third was burnt to this God to appease it so that he would bless my piece of meat so when I ate it, the demons didn't have any power over it. The other piece went to the priest and he would sell it out the back if he needed cash instead of something to eat. So we would have this meat and we could say that this meat has been blessed. You know it today. There's grocery stores. What is the kosher aisle? What is it? What did they do in the kosher aisle? A rabbi blessed the food. I don't care if it's a pickle, a carrot, whatever it is, a rabbi blessed the food. Why? Beats me. Okay? But, but I I want you guys to be aware of this because it's all around you today. It's all around you today. It says, We have one God who is what? The Father. He is the procreator of all that exists, which would even make it my brat. Right? He made it. We are in him. By him. On account of him. Right? This is cool because what's he doing? He's contrasting it to verse 5 you got these little gods that are everywhere, little statues, and there's nobody home. Not only that, the foundation of one God, and we, by this one God, we exist, and because of this one God, we exist. See, here's the amazing thing. We partook of the Lord's table. The amazing thing about the Lord's table, God comes to us that we would come back to His presence. For his glory. Okay. The agency that this took place in. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see in the middle of the verse. Okay. I tell people there's millions and millions of ways to the Lord Jesus Christ. One way to God. One way to God. It's through Jesus Christ. Period. Okay. To think that Buddha is going to get you there. He can't. He's just. He doesn't even eat our food. All right. So God is the source. The agency is the Lord Jesus Christ. God comes to us through Jesus Christ. And we go back to him through Jesus Christ. So now we have defined Christ, the Messiah, the anointed God, the only The ultimate source, Christ the agent, the pattern. He set a path. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 20, it says he was the forerunner. He cut the path that didn't exist. I've got it. Here's how you go, and you will only come through me. One God, Paul settles it. Okay? Everybody in the church in Corinth would have said, that's cool. In that case, let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat it all. Paul doesn't stop at verse 6. Okay? He gives you verse 7. All right. See what he just did. There is but one God. He is the Father from whom are all things. And we exist for him. There was one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom all things. And we exist. How? Through him. All right. So that's that unity that we have. Remember what we're fighting here in this church is what? Disunity. All right. Verse 7. However... However, not all men have this knowledge. What? You just read this letter in front of the whole congregation. How can they not have this knowledge? It's easy. Six inches of difference. That's what I call it. Six inches of difference. It's here, and it's six inches to get it here, and it ain't arrived yet. It ain't arrived yet. Let me tell you... (laughs) uh, this is what Dr. MacArthur speaks on this text, his quote. And then I'll give you the, what, how I would interpret it. Quote, not emotionally integrated into the pattern of their living. Unquote. Sounded good though when I read it, didn't it? Like it's not emotionally integrated into the pattern of their living. Whoa. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, Head knowledge, no heart knowledge. <laughs> That's the sort of way I look at it. Uh, you can know something in your head that doesn't—that you don't really get, Okay, that it makes a difference in your life. Did you get that? Uh, faith in the New Testament is pistas, and we always say that it, in light of this evidence. Okay, It has to be an evidence... In such a way that I come and have a radical change in my life and I change in light of this evidence. Okay, that's faith. Okay, my faith changed from this point to this point. Why? In light of this evidence, you can preach the gospel to anybody and they're going to look at you like a calf at a new gate. Okay? You have to understand this. And you can have people who've got phenomenal Bible knowledge, they don't have any heart knowledge. Okay. It doesn't, it hasn't taken over their system, their body. Let me, let me put it for, to you this way. You can have the best computer in the world right now. But if it doesn't have an operating system, what do you have? A very expensive paperweight. Okay. Because it doesn't do anything. All right. You and I, depending on where you're at in your walk with Christ, Walk, have a walk of faith based on knowledge and experience. Experience. You've got to have both. Why? There are times that you will get a test of your faith. Do you believe this? You can have the greatest knowledge, biblical knowledge of anybody. You know what? I got a computer, it's got more biblical knowledge than I'll ever dream of. It ain't got no faith why where's your faith and let me ask you a question how faithful is God okay you guys who are part of this fellowship how faithful is God always faithful then let me ask you a question why do you doubt because it hasn't gone from here to here it isn't in charge of my emotions. It's in charge of my mind. And my mind sits around and thinks, yes, this is perfect and all the rest of it. It's it's like if you're dealing with somebody who is suffering, what do we do? We walk up in our knowledge and we say, we know that the suffering of this age can't compare to the glory to come. So get over it. Right? Or we come up with this great term. Brother, sister, God is sovereign. But well, what does that mean? Well, he's ruling, okay? Even now, okay? But what am I going to do now? Well, if you're crazy enough to walk into that circumstance, now you, in Galatians 5, will get up underneath them, you will put them on your back, and you will carry them until they can walk again. Why? Knowledge and Love. Okay. Now, if you're not willing to carry him, shh, shh, be quiet. All right. You know what the great commission is? It is not to make converts. Did you know that? The great commission is to make disciples, make learners. You know what's the problem with that? It takes time. It takes sacrifice. It takes tears. It takes sometimes when the flesh raises up and you get angry. I know you guys don't do it. uh, But it takes all of those things. Why? And it takes day to day the grind and keeping that person content, walking and seeing the faithfulness of Christ through the grind. The whole society is trying to grind you into a fine powder. And we who are saved are trying to walk alongside and keep you becoming dust, becoming the salt that is laid out on the road and is trampled underfoot. That's very difficult. It takes time. It takes heartache. It takes all the things that we don't want to get involved with. All right, so the the difference is, is that Taking that thing, knowing that some have that knowledge, but their faith isn't there. All right, so now I'm going to take the church in Corinth. I got a church full of people here uh, in Corinth, let's say, median age. Ain't that what we do now? Demographics is 35 to 40 years old. Um, all, what have they ever known? What has their life always been exposed to? Idols. If something bad happens, go offer something to an idol. If something good happens, go offer something to an idol. Just everything you do is based on an idol, right? You know, I had a preacher to tell me one time. Actually, it was Dr. Olford. He says, you know how blessed you were not to be raised in the church? And I said, uh, well, I don't know. I feel like I've, you know, I lost a lot of time. And he says, nope. <laughs> he says, you didn't. Why? You don't have to go through all the church stuff that ain't really quite right. Okay. You have people who have been evolved, immersed in this thing. He uses an amazing terminology here. Look what he says here. But some being accustomed to the idol, the middle of verse seven there, new American standard says it's accustomed to. It literally means have been intimate with. Okay. It wasn't this casual idol worship. It was intimately a part of their life. They were immersed in it. Okay. Okay. They hear in their mind that an idol is nothing, but what has their life always been? Idols. I mean, you could tell a person, oh, I know that, I know that, I know that, but I have been so immersed, I've been so intimate with it. All right? It is a part of their emotions. It's a part of their attitudes. Everything they did was around these idols. And, you know, you, you can sit and tell them, there are no gods. There's that little statue, there's nobody home. Okay. It's fine to say to all of you that an idol isn't anything. Let me share with you something. If a person has a drinking problem, okay, they like to drink large quantities of liquor regularly, okay? What are they? What are they known as? Alcoholics. Alcoholics and you have a say it a disease you have a disease okay what does christ say about that person you're a sinner and you have been saved by grace now i can take an alcoholic Say they come out of the DTs, I could share with them that truth. They could come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Then you want to take them out and have a beer with them, right? Ooh, no, you can't do that. Why? Is there anything wrong for a Christian to have a beer? Yes. If my brother here is coming out of alcoholism, the sin of being overpowered. By spirits of wine. Yes, absolutely. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. See how that works? We've got to get a hold of this. Our society is plagued by it. Why? I'm free in Christ. I can do anything that God hasn't forbid. Absolutely. It's great. But do you ever look out for the other saints? See how that works? It's cool stuff. But if I have the knowledge and my knowledge is led by love, then that supernatural love that I was talking about says that you guys are more important than me. Where you're at, what you're dealing with is more important than what I am. Okay? Because you know what I want? I want to walk with all of you in the freedom and the love and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I can just look in this room and I can see some. These are free. They understand freedom. I see some. Ooh, 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 ooh. Be careful with your freedom. Okay? Uh, Let me give you another illustration. Hugging people. I like that. I'm still trying to figure out how to get the holy kiss back, but I haven't overcome many problems. Why do people struggle when you hug people? Well, I would say that it depends on who you hug. If it is a non-attractive person, hug them all day long. If it's an attractive person, why were you doing that? Okay, so what is the, the, the change to it? I hug in secret. <laughs> I don't know. Get some of you to repent. I don't know. But do you see what I'm trying to get at? What happens? Man, I got news for you, brothers and sisters. You don't start hugging now, you're going to have a hard time in heaven because you've got to spend eternity with these people. Okay, now, I mean, if you don't like them now, huh, you're going to have a miserable heaven, ain't you? And, and that's what we've got to pay attention to. He says, however... All men don't have this knowledge. Some being accustomed to the idol. And then he puts in there, until now. You know what that means? They're new believers. Until now, they've been struggling with this idol. Why would you try to confuse them? Listen, do you understand that it was not common process, or it was a very common process to go to the get your food, and I don't remember the the priest, the, the idol that you went to, but he had to do something with meat, providing meat. And you would eat that. And then you would go to the temple of Bacchus. Okay? And at the temple of Bacchus, Bacchus was the god of wine. And you would drink. They had a pit to puke in. Because you wanted to give him all that was due him. <laughs> Sounds right to me. Uh, but that normally... the uh, Not... Delphi, the priestesses of Delphi, the oracles of Delphi, the priestesses were harlots. And they would come down from Delphi where the oracles were. And guess what? They would have sex. So you got a brother or sister who just came to Christ, who's scared to death of idols. And you tell them that this meat just got offered to an idol or they know that you got it from certain priests. What's going to come to their mind? The orgies. What did you just do? Let me show you what you just did. Look at the rest of the verse. Their conscience is being weak and it becomes what? Defiled. You just defiled their conscience. Eat food as if it were sacrificed to idols. See, they're still thinking about these little demons and little deities running around and all the things that went with it. Okay, all the things that went with it. People ask me about rock and roll music. I could care less about rock and roll music. Okay, I don't listen to very much rock and roll music. Why? Takes my conscience back to places before I knew Christ. My brain, my thinking pattern, back to stuff I don't, it's just, it ain't going to accomplish anything. I could care less about it. Okay, you know what the Bible says about rock and roll music? Nothing. Doesn't say anything about it. You know, and I see some people, well, if it ain't country and western, hey, let's not listen to country and western. Some of that's worse than rock and roll music. I mean, you know, you know, some of them guys, I hear them singing songs, like suicide, dude. <laughs> dude. That's the only thing I can tell you. But, but, but it's stuff like that that we need to be aware of. Why? What if I have a younger brother? Okay, look what he says here because we'll wrap this up. Their conscience is being weak and it is defiled. They at this point in their life are not free to grasp this. A weaker brother knows there is only one true God in his head, but they are not able to let go of a lifetime of belief. You got that? Think about this one. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and say, I know you are of God. What must I do to be saved? What did he say? You must be born again. What does that mean? Throw all your beliefs out. They're all gone. Get rid of them. Fill it with new. New. Okay, Peter makes the statement in 1 Peter says, Be as newborn babes craving the pure spiritual milk of the word by which you can... Some of you guys, wake up. It ain't that bad. The Broncos don't play until next week. All right? So that you may grow in it. You may grow in it. Why? You're going to take in knowledge. And then God has given the thing that he calls the fullness of Christ. You call it the church. That'll be all around you. Why? To help you. It helps you. Why? There are supernaturally empowered teachers, pastors, evangelists in the church. Okay, right now. Why? Forgiven you knowledge. But if you look at pastor, Pomia, it should be a verb because that is the art of walking along with it and shepherding and overseeing it. Walking with it. In the Brethren Church in uh, England, if you become the pastor of the elders, your wife immediately gets the title pastor and everybody freaks out. (gasps) They've ordained a pastor. No, they've kept poor Mia as a verb. Why? Does she shepherd too? Absolutely. Who's the teaching elder? Her husband. Does she shepherd? Absolutely. 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 Okay, so be careful. Be careful. Be real careful. Why? You can have the knowledge. But if you don't have the love, you can cause a younger Christian to defile their conscience. We don't want to ever do that. Think about people. They come a life devoted. What if they come out of Mormonism or Jehovah's Witnesses or Catholicism or something like that? And their lives, there are multiple generations of these people and their lives have been immersed in that. You've got to be real careful about them. You've got to be real careful. Um, listen. Every single one of you in this room has a conscience, a different conscience. You all have the indwelling of Many of you, I hope, have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But if the little warning alarm goes off in your conscience, pay attention to it. It's trying to help you. You may not be at that place. Why? Because when you defile your conscience, don't worry about mine. You worry about yours. You will build up for yourself guilt. You'll condemn yourself. You'll begin to doubt God just because you've hurt your conscience. You'll have resentment towards the brethren. Okay? Especially that one who set the pattern and you tried to follow it. All we would end up doing, we who would lead that way, was push them into a deeper sorrow, to a temptation, where they may even fall into sin. And we would be the direct source of that. Why? Because my freedom violated their conscience? Let them live by their conscience, even if their conscience is what you and I, maybe you would concern, confining. Okay? Let me give you one last verse, and then we'll wrap it up. comes out of the book of Romans, chapter 14, verse 23. I'll give you 22 also. The faith which you have... Have as your own convictions before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. Makes sense, right? Know what you believe. What is your faith in? Not what, you know, the preacher said. No, man. What do you believe? What does your Bible, what did you do when you studied your Bible? Why? Verse 23. He who doubts is condemned if he eats Because his eating is not from faith. Whatever is not from faith is sin. Did you get that? That's pretty serious. If a person's conscience is there, don't violate their conscience. Fine. Fine. Let them stay right there. Why? They're in a process. You can't grow anybody's faith. Can't do it. I don't care if you're the best teacher in the world, but you know what is really cool? God will. God is faithful to grow their faith. And you know what your responsibility is? To be that shoulder to lean on, to be that arm to help hold them up. Sometimes you may literally have to get involved in such a way you got to carry them on your back, but you still got to do it. Okay. And you may say, well, but if they come, if I get involved with them, they're going to limit my Cuban cigars. So be it. So be it. All right. I will not allow my freedom in Christ to violate another person's conscience, okay? My heart, my passion, most of you know that, is to make disciples. That means I'm involved with people. If I'm involved with people, it doesn't take very long to get to understand that person and where they, do, they have the do's and their don'ts, and I don't violate their do's and don'ts. But I'll say, come walk with me. Come follow me, all right? We'll go out and buy Harley Davidson motorcycles, smoke Cuban cigars and <laughs> Cause people to stumble. All right, but but no, come on. Some I get too many visitors to be saying stuff like that. Uh, but it, it, stuff like that, you got to you got to pay attention to this. Why? Have the knowledge. Okay, I, I taught that. You'll have to get the tape. Knowledge is essential. It's not sufficient. It's not sufficient. Okay. Okay, best illustration, you study your Bible and it feels like you're walking around in the desert of a real bad novel. Right? You know why? Because you're in your Bible for knowledge. When God really reveals himself in the written word, you know what it is through? Because you're looking for love. Okay, knowledge ends with me. Love ends with you. All right? In the gray areas, I know the knowledge. truth will set you free. But the limits to Christian freedom is the love of Jesus Christ, the love for the weaker brother, the love of the weaker sister. Okay. And we don't cross that. Okay. Knowledge says I can eat. Love says I'm going to think about it. We'll see who's here. I gonna make sure I don't do anything to cause somebody to stumble. Why? I'm a representative of the kingdom of God. All right. That's where you're at right now, right? Some of you in this room right now are the do's and don'ts. And I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. I'm thrilled for you. All right? Some of you may be out there trying to, I'm going to flaunt my liberty wherever I can get it. Okay? I'm happy for you too. But if you want to be effective in the body of Christ and what Jesus Christ is doing here on the planet Earth, You come to the middle and you say, give me the knowledge, but give it to me as I seek you in love. And as I seek you in love, then who will I mirror? Christ. Christ. Okay? Let's pray. Father, I give you the praise for your word and my brother Paul. Lord, and, and to think that a church so many years ago, dealing with the same things that we're dealing with today. Father, your wisdom is beyond the ages. Father, your your ways are higher than, than our, your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Your ways we can't comprehend. And yet, Father, you and your grace and your mercy have called us to be a part of it. Father, we give you the praise today. We thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for these precious people. Lord, so many, at so many different stages in their faith. Father, you have blessed my soul, blessed my life with just them being there. Father, let me be faithful to what you've shown me. Let me walk as you would have me walk. Father, may you strengthen those who are weak this day. Father, may you edify those who feel weary today. And Father, may your grace and mercy be the single focus of our life that we can stand there. And Father, as Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Father, may we be used. Father, I think about our dear brothers in Russia. I think about the Oldford family and and what they're dealing with at this time. Father, I just pray that uh, the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ. Father, that would be our knowledge and our love. Father, may we bow before that. Maybe we cherish that. To you, my King, and you alone. Amen.